When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside of the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. 
Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called to Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, 
and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing all that was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Holy Father, we thank you for these mysteries of our salvation. Impress them upon us deeply 
this night and this week, we pray. In the name of your crucified and risen Son, our Lord. Amen. And so it was, just like that, that our Lord Jesus riding on a donkey that had never been ridden on, going from one mountain, starting on the Mount of Olives, looking out over the valley, seeing before him all of these people rejoicing, putting their cloaks on the ground, waving palm branches, knowing their minds and hearts, knowing that their expectation is that a king was finally coming. It wasn't Judas Maccabeus. Maybe it was this one, a king who would finally expel the Romans, a Messiah, an anointed one who would finally save us. Jesus knew their fickle hearts. He knew that in one moment, a people who were celebrating and acclaiming him as the son of David, as Matthew's gospel reads, and Hosanna is, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, quoting Psalm 118, that from one day into a few days later, their minds would be totally changed. That their demands, their craving, if you will, would move from acclaiming him as king to demanding his death. There's a deep and and sad irony in all of the accounts of Palm Sunday. It's a long and old tradition of the church for the people of God to make procession on Palm Sunday, to take up palms and to walk and to remember this triumphal entry that our Lord Jesus made. There's a pilgrim from the fourth century, a nun who was a widow named Ejeria. And she wrote the tales of her pilgrimage, and she was probably from from France or Spain. And she came to the Holy Land and observed their week of worship. And as she participated in that week of worship, she wrote down the things that the people in Jerusalem did. And this was one of those things, that they walked and they moved and they remembered the steps that our Lord took. A couple of years ago, I stood on the Mount of Olives and I looked out over the valley and I saw the holy city. We think about the mourning and weeping that Jesus must have had in his heart because he knew the fate of his people. He knew the will of his father. He knew how humbly he would empty himself giving of his very life for the life of the world. And it's, it's odd what Jesus said at the end of Luke's account of this triumphal entry is the Pharisee says, tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus says, if they were to be quiet, even the stones would cry out. Well, when you look at Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, all you see are stones. Whether it's stones on the ground or stones in the buildings, And Jesus was saying that his kingdom was not of this world. Friends, this week is a week in which we remember and enter into the most momentous event in history. 
All of history turns on this hinge. And that is when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, gives of himself freely. He empties out his life. He gives himself humbly. It is worth our attention. It is worth our time. It is worth our participation. There's something in the colic for today that I want you to notice, and I want it to be to serve as an invitation for you this week. It's on page three of your bulletin. And it's a simple petition that says, grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. Grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering. That's what that pilgrim, Ejeria, and her compatriots did in the fourth century. That's what we began today as we walked around the church. It's this ironic invitation that our Lord has for us. That a way that seems to be a way of death, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to save your life, you must lose it, Jesus said. A way that seems a way of death, but really is a way of self-emptying that eventually Jesus' disciples would see emulated perfectly, beautifully on the cross. Walking in the way of his sufferings. And in this week, as, as time, as we remember a past event that we're not repeating, this is not a cyclical history like pagan worship, But as we remember a past event in time, we remember it in such a way that it becomes present to us now. So we enter into it sacramentally. We enter into it liturgically. That's why we also said, crucify him. Crucify him. Not only because our sins are what put Christ on the cross and his great love for us and the Father's will and wisdom in it all, but because we're we're putting ourselves in that place, walking in the way of his suffering. Now, in these few short days of Holy Week is encapsulated the suffering that you're going to experience in all of your life. And we're reminded that on the other side of the suffering of this cross is a resurrection. And it's not a resurrection that's isolated from us, that it's a historical event way in the past, but it's a resurrection that we participate in. We heard St. Paul say it last week, and we'll remind ourselves again, and as we step into Holy Week, it is the whole point of it all, that as we walk in the way of his sufferings, or as St. Paul said, I would do anything that I might attain the resurrection, becoming like him in his death. As we walk in the way of his suffering, we may also share with him in his resurrection. So friends, Holy Week isn't just about gloom and doom and death. Because on the other side of a seed falling to the ground and dying and being buried over layers of soil and dirt, there's a dormant period before which the seed springs to life. And you look at the brown dirt, and what do you see? These green shoots of life. This week, I invite you with all of my heart to soberly 
solemnly walk in the way of Jesus' suffering so that we may share with him in his resurrection. There are practical ways that we can do that. We'll talk about it in a moment. But if you can tonight, keep in your mind this this view, looking out from the Mount of Olives, looking over to the holy city, Jerusalem, seeing the people acclaim the Lord Jesus, their victory, their joy, their excitement, but so quickly turning, so quickly demanding his crucifixion. We're reminded of what St. Paul wrote to Timothy. If we are unfaithful, he says, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Our Lord Jesus is faithful on your behalf. And he invites us to walk with him in the way of his cross this week.